Hey, what's up, guys? Alyssa Clark is fresh off a supported FKT on the Penhody Trail. That's a 335-mile trail through Alabama and Georgia with about 50,000 vertical feet. Her new record is 5 days, 14 hours, and 43 minutes. Alyssa also holds the Guinness World Record for running the most consecutive marathons at 95 in a row. 95 days, 95 marathons in a row. Needless to say, she's a badass, and I couldn't wait to get her on the show. Oh yeah, and she won U-Ray 100 this year as well. And she says it was just a training run. You guys have to listen to this episode. You're going to dig it. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. If you need coaching, pacers, or crew for your ultramarathon next year, get us on the books. Whether you're new to the sport or an elite, we've got someone for you. You can find everything at big-things-crewing.com. If you'd like to support us, our mission, or be a part of the Do Big Things tribe, we are on Patreon. For the price of a cup of coffee, you can support us for a month. Patreon.com slash do big things. I would like to welcome our newest sponsors to the show, Alter Ego Running and Bigger Than the Trail. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'm going to get you guys some promo codes for items or services that are just going to enhance your outdoor adventure. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Miss Alyssa Clark. Yeah, baby! Hey, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you, Alyssa? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Nice to meet you. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. How's your day? What's happening? Um, it's been good. I uh, had, um, I'm a teacher, so I was teaching earlier on and then um, luckily had an earlier day, kind of packed in the beginning, but uh, got out a little early. So yeah, just getting back into kind of going on walks and things like that, but nothing too crazy yet. Good, uh, yeah. Good. How about you? Oh, my day was great. I, I can't complain about anything. I'm just lucky and blessed and, and happy to be chatting with you. So, and I apologize, like you have sort of just come across my radar recently and you've been around doing this thing for a long time. And I just wanted to touch base and hear your story. And, um, I think that most, most recently your, your latest big thing that you did was 95 marathons in 95 days, or have you done anything since then? I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah. So, um, actually that was last year. So <laughs> since then, um, I've actually, I won the year a 100, um, oh. and I just set a new FKT on, uh, the Pinhoti trail. Oh, okay. Um, so done a couple of, of things since then. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. So I didn't realize that the 95 marathons was last year, but okay. So cool. Let's, let's go backwards. So the latest was the Pinhoti trail. It was, yeah. So that okay. was um, actually just a little less than two weeks ago, like 10 ah, days. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. Corey kind of uh, threw down the Gotland. Corey Waltering has the men's record. Oh, and there yeah, was, yeah. Um, there is not a previous women's supported record yet. So I had actually attempted that trail self-supported before um, last year and then wanted to go back after it. So went back out there um, over Thanksgiving break, I had a week off was like, sweet, I'll just go see what I can do. So, uh, 
yeah, so that was, um, yeah, just, I finished up on like the 27th. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And remind me what's the distance on that trail. So that is, um, a tiny bit less than 350 miles and like 50 K of elevation. Whoa. Okay. And (laughs) what was your record time you finished in? So five days, 14 hours and like 30 ish. Whoa, crazy. Okay. Yeah. It was supported. So you had people out there with you. I did. Yeah. So I had a crew van the whole time. Um, and then starting in about mile 230, I pretty much had pacers all the way through the last like 120 miles. Okay. Okay. And are these good friends of yours, people that have paced you before? Um, so actually, no, I mean, now they're good friends, but, uh, (laughs) that's the best part I think about the trail running community. So the guy that was with me for a week crewing me, um, I'd met him once and Mm -hmm. he was just like, yeah, I want in, I want to be a part of it. Um, and I met him through a good friend of mine who's super involved with the trail. Um, and he came out and paced and helped. Um, and then other people were just like, yeah, I'll go run for eight hours on Thanksgiving with you. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up or like in the middle of the night in the pouring rain. So of course, yeah, I think, I think us, that's the best, best it, thing. It, yeah. Us ultra runners are a, a rare breed. Yeah. If somebody needs help in the middle of the night out in the mountains and the freezing cold, sure. I'm down. Why not? Yeah. Good training run. Let's go. Meet totally. someone new. Totally. Absolutely. Well, that's so cool. So um, so that was an FKT. So congratulations there. And that was the most recent. So that's tremendous. And then you said before that was you Ray and you Ray 100 is no joke. Actually, before we get into that, um, where are you living again? Are you in California right now? I am. Yes. Okay. So, uh, my husband's military, so we move a lot. So it's always a great question. Where are they in the world? Um, yeah. yeah. So you know, we've been in Hawaii. We've been in Italy. Uh, we were in Florida. And yeah, now we're in California. So. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. I see your races are sort of following that pattern too, going to kind of going around the globe. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Getting to race in Europe was just such an awesome experience. You really, I was like, I'm going to get my butt kicked, which I absolutely did, but I learned a whole <laughs> bunch and um, I can't wait to, I'm going to go back actually this coming summer a bit. And I'm really excited to kind of have the uh, experience in my back pocket now and be like, all right, I'm ready. Nice. Are you going back for a race? Yeah, I'm um, planning to do the um, Mont Blanc marathon, but it's the 90 K and then um, I'm looking at doing a TDS at a UTMB. So. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a great year. Um, yeah. well, killer. Um, and then yeah, you Ray 100. I, I talked to, uh, the male winner, um, Anthony, uh, Anthony. Yes. Great guy. He was on the show. Yes. And, uh, he's the one that brought up your name. And uh, actually I also heard you on uh, Chris Ward's podcast as well. I love uh, Chris. Oh yeah. No, he's a great guy. Great guy. And, uh, yeah. So tell me about you, Ray. I mean, that is a stout course, right? I mean, (laughs) Um, but you've had some experience out in Tour de Jeans and you've been in Europe. You've, you've done some big races in Hawaii. Um, how did that stack up against those other races? I'm curious. It's a, it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely hard. There's no question. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing with Ure is there are 
certain things that if you get in your head, this is going to bother me, they're going to wreck you. Like the altitude is going to get really, if you're scared about the altitude, you're scared about weather and you hate outbacks, you should not do the URA 100. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but if you decide, I mean, some of it's a decision. Some of it is just like how your body responds, but um, you know, altitude, I don't know how it worked, but it did. Um, of just, I was coming from primarily sea level and I do get up to um, Yosemite a lot. So that you can get like on the upper parts is like eight to 10, um, but nothing consistent. So, you know, altitude, you're above 8,000 feet the whole time going up to yeah. almost 14, which is pretty yeah. gnarly. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, summer thunderstorms. Um, I just kept being like, I actually had this jingle of like, hello, thunder, my old friend, just it's like, I don't know, having a, a Simon and Garfunkel. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think if you're just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is, you know, as long as you're safe, um, just except you're going to get wet. It mm -hmm. might be a little scary in the tops, but, uh, hopefully you'll get through it. Um, and then. Yeah, the other thing with the outbacks is you just have to mentally decide that it's okay and that that's what the race is. You're going to be crisscrossing people all the time, which actually was pretty fun. Like, I got to see Anthony a bunch. He would be coming back and I'll be like, all right, I guess the race is still going. Like, they're not canceling for Thunder. There's Anthony. Got to keep going. So um, it's actually it was super fun because one of my favorite parts of trail running is the community aspect. And when you get to crisscross a lot, um, you know, you get to, to cheer people on and see how everything's going. And, and from a race strategy standpoint, it's also extremely helpful because uh, you know exactly where people are. Um, and you can also kind of get a read multiple times of like, how, how are they looking? How are they mm -hmm. doing? Mm -hmm. um, so strategy wise, it, it adds a lot of uh, room to, to be able to work that angle for sure. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I haven't really thought about that, but you're right. You get to see where second and third place is and, and how they're looking and are they looking in rough shape or are they looking strong? Um, did you lead most of that race or how did it sort of shake out for you? So I wasn't supposed to, but yeah, I led from like, uh, I want to say like 10 or 15 miles in. Dang. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was just having a good time and I, I've been, I trained so much for like vert was what I did every day. I worked a lot on fast hiking. That is such an underrated skill in ultra oh, running. Yeah, it's just like time. fast hiking. I mean, so many of my, so much of my training, especially, um, leading up to URA and then towards John, which I ended up not finishing, um, it was just like, how fast can you hike? How fast can mm. you walk? Um, mm -hmm. you know, five or six hours of that. So I, and I have a great coach who's, who's really, um, knows how to specialize things, but it is an underrated skill to be able to walk really quickly. <laughs> um, so when you were at the be beginning of the year and you were sort of looking at your year ahead and mapping it out, were those going to be your two big events? Were those going to be your two big peaks? Yeah. So actually it was supposed to be Tour de Jean. Um, and okay. I'm happy to get into that, but I've now DNF'd it twice. So there is a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I got to go back. Um, yep. next year. I'm So along with those other two races, I said, I'm going to do uh Moab 240. Cause I've kind of, that's been like 
on my radar for a long time. So Tortajon's going to move probably till 23. Uh, but really my focus was um, Tortajon. Yure was going to be a training. Yure was a training race. I did not go into that fresh. I went to that like off a 60 or 70 mile week the week before. Whoa, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it like, was. The wait, big... wait, 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 wait. The week of the race or the week before? The week before. Yeah. Okay. So I okay. had like a four or five, like maybe like a four or five day taper. Okay. Um, but the week okay. before was like a decently big week. Yeah. Um, Cause it was supposed to be a training run. And then um, tour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tour just, um, I was having some, I was, I'm a teacher and like start of school was just chaotic tour happened the first week of school. I was definitely really stressed about that. And, um, I had some dehydration issues that were causing me to have like balance issues, uh, mm. which up high in really technical terrain gets pretty sketchy when you're like, I'm blacking out. Um, so that, that is why I stopped early on tour and I was super bummed because I trained I really really like we tailored the entire year to tour um and I felt super prepared for it but that you know that's part of running and racing is you just never know what's going to happen but I think that it set me up really well um and Pinhoti was something that I had wanted to go back and try because like I actually had dehydration issues on that so um yeah working on that factor we're getting better <laughs> but uh yeah so it was I think it was kind of a an amazing opportunity that I wasn't expecting to be able to go back to Pinhoti because tour didn't work out. So okay. I, I actually feel really lucky that um, I got back to do that and um, be able to accomplish the goal that, that I'd set out, even if it wasn't the goal I was expecting to, totally. uh, yeah, to get. So, yeah, that's cool. Isn't it funny how it always works out? You know, I'm sure you were disappointed after tour. You oh. had to have been, you know, especially if you're planning on that for a whole year, but then you're able to sort of bring yourself full circle at the end of the year. So it worked out great. That's cool. Yeah, no, I was super lucky. And there, I had a conversation with my coach and my husband, because he has to kind of deal with all this of like, <laughs> I just like, I've trained so hard for tour. I, I made it to like 140. So I didn't that that's like a, a decent amount of time out there. I was like, I just have all this fitness. I just don't feel like the year is done. I want, you know, I want another challenge. Um, and I was looking at things and I didn't feel like I had the training background to pull off like a fast hundred K or a fast hundred miler. And that was kind of what was left on the table of races around me was like, um, the San Francisco Spartan hundred K. And I was like, nah, I I'm just not that fast right now. And then, um, Rio de Lago was also up there, but again, fast race. And I had just trained to go long. And so yeah, Pinhoti came back on the table and, um, it, it was, yeah, I think it was exactly what I was hoping to do exactly what, um, I kind of needed too. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah super Sounds cool. like it. Have you ever been interested or serious about, um, flat fast races like that? It sounds like climbing is your specialty now. And I I'm kind of in the same camp. And when it comes to the flat stuff, it just lacks something for me. It's just kind of a little bit boring. Like I'll do it, but if the Hills are right there, I'm going to run in the Hills. Um, yeah. did you ever have any interest in the fast races? Um, so I've done like two, I guess. So I did a hundred K in the UK that was pretty flat and, um, 
right around like 9.30, so decently quick. Um, and then I've done, when I we were in Florida, I did a really flat 50 miler in like seven hours. And that was just like a fun, I really wanted to run from where we lived up the coast to another place. Um, But no, because I find I would a thousand times rather be out doing like hill repeats or (laughs) running downhill than just be like, all right, you know, essentially like training for a fast marathon. Um, Yeah, I'm not that fast is the thing. So I am always like, I'm going to play to my strengths. My strengths are in the mountains. Like I can, I can't compete, compete against like a Camille Heron or something like that. Like I just don't have that speed. Um, And I I don't want to experience the pain it would take to even come close to developing (laughs) that kind of speed. Like I'd much rather be in pain in the mountains than in pain doing like threshold workouts and intervals. So yeah. I yeah. totally get you. It makes total sense to me. I'm, I'm with you. But your adventure before that uh, was all flat. <laughs> was all flat, it sounds like. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me what the inception was of that, how it all started. And I mean, did you have plans to do 95 marathons in 95 days? Or was the number supposed to be 100? Or how did this thing start? Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, the, I guess how it started, we were over in Italy at the time. And I had been training to do um, like Lavaredo. I was going to do um, Trans Grand Canaria, which ended up happening, but I was like kind of freaking out because Italy was in a rough spot um, at the start of like COVID kind of expanding out of China. Mm-hmm. And Istria 100, like all these mountainous, hilly races, and they all got canceled, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just, you know, we were locked down in Italy where we couldn't run outside, um, except with the military, you could run on a military base, uh, but it was like a two mile loop, uh, which was kind of gnarly. So it was either treadmill or run around a two mile loop. Um, so really for me, it, the whole thing started as how do I use this fitness and how do I not go insane by the fact that like things are getting canceled? We're not really allowed to go outside. Like normally so my husband and I are also um he's much more than I am but we do some like mountain big mountain stuff um we've done Rainier and uh possibly might do the Matterhorn this summer um mm. and uh we do some ice climbing like big mountain like we're we traveled every weekend when we were there doing like ski touring or, or mountain stuff so you know you, you take that off the table you can't go anywhere and it's like what are we going to do? Um, so I had considered doing like the quarantine backyard ultra, um, which seemed awesome, but I was really worried about, because you know, like with any big event, the after is the rough part where you're like, you don't have the focus training. You're kind of sad that, um, the event's over. I was really worried if I did, you know, like I thought about 24 hours or 48 hours. It's like, but what do I do afterwards when I have to recover? And I'm sad about the thing being over and I'm sad because COVID is happening. Um, so I was like, what can I do? That's kind of a continuous thing. Um, (laughs) just keep it going. Yeah. Never actually have to stop. Um, so I was like, what if I just run a marathon every day until we can go outside, which at the time, um, some restrictions were supposed to be lifted in like 14 days. So yeah, 14 marathons, like that sounds cool. I'm down. (laughs) Um, and started like, talk to my husband about it. Um, 
sent an email to my coach and uh, he responded the next day. And I was like, oopsies, I already started. Uh, he's like, maybe think about it for a couple of days. I'm like, ah, I started this morning. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, he knows me well enough now that he's either tells me to just sit on my hands or yeah. Um, so or go run a marathon. Yeah. Go run a marathon. Um, so yeah, honestly, it was totally just like an accidental, I don't know what to do with my time. Why don't I do this? Um, so I worked for the fitness division of the Navy. So like that was all closed up. So I just had this time where either I had to be in a gym with access to treadmills or I was at home with access to our treadmill. Um, and yeah, I just, it escalated from there and our lockdown got extended. So I was like, guess I'm just going to keep going. Mm. And it, it took, like, it gave me purpose every day. It gave me focus and made me tired. Um, it was fun. Yeah. Like not every day was fun, but it was fun to have something that felt just, just like a, a routine. It felt and it wasn't important. It's not important. It's a silly endeavor, but it felt kind of important of like, yeah, let, you know, let me try to do this, this thing that's like semi hard or is hard every day. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. No, that is hard every day. And I'm just thinking about it and like, it sounds fun to me for like maybe 30 days, <laughs> but beyond that, it's like, and in the beginning you said you were thinking maybe I'll just do it for the 14 days of lockdown. So you really had no intention of setting a world record at that point, which you ended up doing. Yeah. I, that's crazy. I know. And that's the thing is so people are like, so you set out to get a world record. It's like, I didn't even know what the record was. When you started, um, when, you didn't even yeah, know. Nope. I did not okay. look it up. I looked it up probably around like 20 or 25. Cause I had a friend who was like, Hey, what's the record on this? Um, so I looked it up. And at that point I went, Oh, I'm like almost halfway there. That's kind of cool. Maybe I should just keep trying to do this. Um, and we were moving back to the States. What was going to be right around like 50, 55. So I was like, there's no way I, you know, I just didn't think it was possible, but again, it kind of got this momentum where I just was like, I get, I, I don't know. It's like, I just guess I'll just keep doing this. And when I got to, I would say when I got to like 30 or 35, I was pretty set that I was going to try. Um, the record was 60. So it's pretty set of like, I think I'm going to try to go for like at least 65 ish. Um, and then after, I don't know, it just like kept going. And, and, you know, part of being a military spouse is that, um, you like I was changing jobs or I actually was losing my job um, and I didn't have a job in Florida because we uh, were only there for uh, like five months so you know you're changing jobs you're changing lives you're changing friends and yeah the marathons become this continuity uh, in your life and so I think that really helped me transition to a new place and also you know gave me a purpose every day as well so yeah yeah was most of this on a treadmill? Were you running outside? What did the day-to-day look like? So once we were allowed to go like kind of full rain outside, um, I did run in Italy like every day outside once we were allowed to. Um, and then when we moved to Florida, there were some days where I would go inside because it was so stinking hot <laughs> and humid. Um, but for, I would say probably like, 
I don't know what percentage, probably like 65 to 70% were outside. Okay. Um, yeah. Nice. Just, yeah. But I will say when you don't, when you're restricted from running outside, the treadmill becomes a lot more appealing. So, oh, totally. so many people are like, I could never do that. I was like, well, when the alternative is not getting to run at all. Yeah. It seems like a pretty great option. Like how cool <laughs> is it that we have a machine that like simulates running? Exactly. Yeah. We're fortunate in that sense. Um, what happens to you if you don't run? Um, you said, you said that you wanted to keep your sanity. And I think part of that was due to the whole COVID thing that was happening in, in the entire world. But like, uh, would you go crazy? Like what does crazy oh, look yeah. like for you oh, if you yeah. don't run? Uh, okay. I, drive my, I drive my husband insane. <laughs> Um, I always, you know, I say this kind of jokingly, but people are always like, how do you run so much? And I think I always say is you would not be my friend if we did, I did not run so much. Like I, <laughs> I have definitely a very high level of energy and probably a little bit of OCD. And so I think that, uh, and probably a little ADD as well. And I think, or ADHD, um, I think that running just kind of like levels me out a little bit. So when I don't have running, I just get like really angst like angsty and just like ah, I gotta go like I've got to move my body I don't know I just I it's probably a little bit self-induced but I just feel like like I'm crawling like my skin's yeah. crawling I'm just like ah, I've gotta move I'm going insane <laughs> yeah it's better for the world if I run yes okay understood um <laughs> And then as far as doing a marathon a day, were you doing it like first thing in the morning? What was your average marathon time throughout this whole thing? Um, and what did your just, yeah, day-to-days look like? Wake up, bang out a marathon, eat, pass out, or what was it like? Yeah, so I did try to get them done mostly in the morning, especially when we were in Florida. If I didn't start by like 5.30 or 6, it was just awful because um, it's so, so hot. hot. Yeah, so hot. Um, but also too, you know, I... I generally averaged, I would say anywhere from like 410 to 420 ish, nice. um, right around there. Some fluctuating of like a little bit faster, a little bit slower. Um, but I found that was kind of my sweet spot. It's, it's amazing how the human body just is like a metronome and it just like, as long as, you know, I, I'd, I'd slept pretty well and I fueled well, um, I could hit within like, you know, a minute for multiple marathons in a row. Wow. Um, yeah, it's nuts. So, you know, it was basically just like get up in the morning for the most part, I'd be done by anywhere. I don't know, from like, depending on how it started nine 30 to 1130, um, and then have a meal right after take a shower, have a bigger meal, uh, and then kind of do whatever needed to get done. Um, whether it's like around the house or, uh, wrapping up stuff uh, in Italy, like moving. Um, <laughs> and then if I could, uh, take a little nap, like 30 or 45 minutes, uh, excuse me, eat more and then have some dinner. <laughs> so a fair amount of eating. Um, the amazing thing was though, as I progressed, your body just also becomes more used to it. And so my really? calorie needs, I think were a little bit lower, um, than when I started, especially while I was running, I just became more efficient which is awesome that the human body can adapt to that. Um, and then, yeah, a really good night's sleep was super important, but a lot of people ask me, you know, what's your secret recovery tip? And really it's just sleep eating and, you know, taking care of yourself. Um, 
not like, you know, I didn't go out and walk like five or six miles in the afternoon or in the evening. I, I did definitely take it much uh, chiller. I didn't have a lot of energy for the rest of my, like, or the rest of the day. It was like, I put all my energy into running and then the rest of the day was just kind of, I definitely was lagging around a lot more than I usually am. Um, but also I think part of it is I started doing it when I was 27. Um, I'm only 28 now. And I think that when you're younger, your body's just really pretty, pretty good at bouncing back. I think it would be a lot harder to do it at like, you know, 50 or 60, just because oh, yeah. recovery takes a lot longer. And it, the power of youth is a nice thing. <laughs> I think I lucked out on that for sure. Well, take it while you've got it, Alyssa, because <laughs> it won't last forever. Let me tell you, I'm like 20 years older than you. And this like running a marathon a day sounds very painful on my body at this point. Um, what else do you do to take care of yourself? Like I, looking back, I wish that I would have spent more time stretching throughout my twenties and thirties. Um, for me personally, cause like now I'm almost trying to play catch up. You know, I do yoga every day, but I'm like, God, I wish I would have done it throughout all those other years. Um, do, what are your recovery tips? Do you eat a certain way? Like, um, what does all that look like for you? Yeah. I mean, for recovery, I would say definitely stretching. I do stretch a fair amount. Mostly it's just a way I fidget is I'm always just like stretching. Like if I'm <laughs> in my classroom, I'll be like stretching my foot or whatever. My students just kind of know me at this point. Um, I think that also, I guess this isn't necessarily recovery, but I think it's an important part of keeping your body strong. It's like core work. Um, and just like even body weight strength, I think is really important. I didn't do that during the marathons because I was just tired. Yeah. Uh, but my everyday life, I do core work, you know, I, um, make sure to incorporate that because I do think having that stability and yoga is super good for that as well. I mean, that's working in like actual applicable strength. Um, I think that's key. And then, um, as far as I mean, I really think sleep is honestly one of your best friends Huge, for yeah. recovery. Yeah. Um, in terms of nutrition, so I'm vegetarian um, and then I'm gluten-free just because I have a gluten intolerance, not by mm. choice. Um, so for that, I mean, just, you know, making sure that you're refueling um, and not getting behind on that because that can be huge if you're just behind and behind and you're hungry I've worked with quite a few nutritionists. It's like, if you're hungry during your workout, you're super far behind, um, in your calories and your nutrition. So, you know, I don't think it has to be rocket science. And, and I think one of the things is that I I've learned over and over and I coach people too, is that everyone's different everyone's unique and you have to just kind of figure out what fits you. Um, but really just basic things like eating enough, sleeping well, and, um, you know, being nice to yourself, but not beating yourself up, not constantly overdoing it. And I think that's where it's really nice to have a coach that comes in. Cause that's just a guiding hand of like, like my coach is, is, um, super important to me because he is really good at being like, okay, you know, we're pulling back, um, or, you know, we're pushing you and, um, not just feeling like, every week has to be a hundred miles or every week has to be just this huge thing, having that variability and having someone you trust to just step in and be like, no, we need to vary. This, um, is really helpful. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I coach people too. And same thing on people's rest days. I usually try and check in with them to make sure that they are taking a rest day and that they're treating themselves well, like have yourself a, a nice smoothie or a nice cup of coffee or treat yourself to something good on a rest day. And all that little stuff is important psychologically, I think too. Um, what does your coach do for you specifically? Like, um, are you close to your coach? How does your conversations go back and forth with this person? What does that look like? Yeah. So, um, I work with Sean Bearden, so he has a science of yeah. ultra running podcast. Yeah. He's cool. awesome. Yeah. He's such a good guy, you know? Um, so he, I mean, he writes me training every single day, um, through final surge. And so I followed up and, you know, he, like we write notes back and forth to each other. Uh, but you know, the biggest thing I think he's brought to my running and my life, cause we have basically like, if I ever need to chat with him, I just say, Hey, let's be like, can we hop on a zoom call? Um, and he cares so much more about me as a person, um, than what results I bring in or, you know, how my, um, training, you know, if I hit my splits perfectly or whatever, and he's really worked on my mental strength and my, um, just like gratitude to myself and to my body for what it can do. And, um, you know, he's taught me a lot about grit and, um, just, just that like at the end of the day, it matters more who you are rather than what you accomplish. And if you get so wrapped up in the results or the workouts and lose sight of just being a good person, um, you know, that, that can really, like, if you have your life together, or at least you're working on having your life together outside of running, it makes running so much easier. And if you go into every race and you're like, my whole self-worth is based on whether or not I, you know, place in the podium or finish or any of that, then like, even if you do do that, then like eventually that success fades and that doesn't like, that's not a good value system to live on. Um, and so he's done such a good job of just like celebrating me as a person and, helping me to see that. And I just, yeah, that that's so, so helpful. And I think like I, and I'm getting better at it. I still do it sometimes is I will just like work myself into a frenzy sometimes in races. Cause I'm like, I've got to prove myself. And he's really taught me to back off and just be like, no, this isn't about proving yourself. It's about like celebrating the hard work you put in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been super, super helpful. So definitely like the mindset stuff. And, and he's, I mean, he knows his stuff when it comes to training. Like he, I think trains me incredibly well. He's super specific um, and just incredibly well-researched and studied. And so I, I really trust what he says. And I think um, in the past, I haven't always trusted in the training itself. So I'd be like, I'll add on a little bit here. I'll add on a little bit there. And with him, I'm like very honest about oh so actually I like did a rock climbing session because I wanted to and he'll be like okay that's fine this time but next time like you need to rest or okay then we're going to take that out because you did this and so just having that relationship and we had a really serious conversation last year that was like you know do you want to train just like kind of willy-nilly or do you really want to go after like big goals and I was like, okay, yeah, I want to be treated by some, like, I want to be treated as someone who's like reaching for the top level. 
Um, and so I think that's an important conversation too of like, so what, what do you really want out of this? Cause we can keep like going along and having fun and doing okay. Or, you know, you can really focus and I'm going to hold you accountable and you're going to have to be a lot stricter on yourself of actually doing what I say, or like being honest about how things are going. And so I think that's kind of a shift of, you know, do you want to run races and have fun, which is awesome. Or like, do you want to be, you know, at the top trying to, or like trying to be as close to the top as you can be. So, yeah. Yeah. When did you make that decision to, um, I want to be more of an elite runner rather than just going out on weekends and knocking around with my friends, having a good time, finishing middle of the pack. Was there a certain point in your life when that changed or has it always, have you always been competitive? I've always been competitive. I mean, <laughs> it's just like growing up. Yeah. I, I, I remember very distinctly in, in like seventh grade, I used to run with, uh, the high school kids for track in cross country. And I was up with the front girls and they were mad. They were really mad that I was up there. And I just had no idea that I wasn't supposed to be there. I was like, well, of course, if they're, you know, if I'm here, if I can be here, why wouldn't I be? Um, and they were just like, get this seventh grader away. Like, what is she doing? And I think I've just, you know, I was raised in a family where I wasn't ever told I couldn't do something or I wasn't ever told like, no, that's not, you know, that's out of your reach. Um, so I think that I've always held on to that. And, you know, my first, um, 50k I had trained with Hal Croner's um 50k training block yes. which which I came to find out later is like actually really hard um <laughs> and I I like was so religious of like every mile whether I ran it nine o'clock at night after working like a 12-day shift I was just waitressing for the summer um you know if I had to run 12 miles on the treadmill at nine o'clock at night like I was gonna do it yeah. and I ended up like accidentally placing second overall in my first 50k and I was just like oh okay you know I like I wasn't expecting that and I and I think I've carried that with me throughout my running is like I never anticipated I would be able to compete at at a decently high level so I'm grateful every it's like I've kind of every time things go well, I'm always like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Like, that's super cool. But I also train. I mean, I do believe in myself. Like I do believe, um, that these hard things and these big goals are attainable, but I also think that because I never, you know, I wasn't like a cross country star in, in college, I was a lacrosse player. Um, and I, you know, didn't come off like a, a stellar track thing, uh, like track background. So I think that every time something happens that is like, Oh, cool. Like I wasn't expecting that. That's awesome. So I, I feel really grateful for, um, the results that I've had and what I've been able to do. And, um, there's still a lot left on the table and I still have so much I'm striving to reach. Um, but I still feel like, I feel really lucky that I've been able to do so far, like what I have been. And it's, uh, hopefully just the beginning. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're 28 years old, you probably haven't even peaked yet, Alyssa. Like, I'm hoping. You know, yeah, it's still coming, you know. Um, how did you find Ultramarathon? Like, how old were you when you signed up for your first race? And how did this how did this all start for you? You said you weren't really doing a lot of collegiate running or high school running. Um, you were doing sports, but how did you find Ultramarathon? 
Yeah, so I actually hated running as a kid, but I read this book called <laughs> Ultra Marathon Man. And oh shit, I, okay, yep, that was it. Yeah, that's what that did it for was me it. too. <laughs> yeah, I gosh. So Dean actually messaged me during the marathons, and I was fangirling no so hard. Yeah, oh, on Instagram. Wow. I was like, Dean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, because um, he did a marathon a day in each state for so, 50 days in a row. And the logistics of that is yes. way crazier than what you did, but yes. still you did almost double of, of what he did. So that's, that, yeah. that's a cool conversation. <laughs> yeah. I, I would love to actually sit down with him and, and chat sometime. I don't I actually live pretty close to him, like an hour and a half. Um, huh. But yeah, I read his book when I was like 10 years old and I just went, I want to do that one day. And I don't know why, because I hated running. I was like, doesn't make any sense. Um, but I think that what also sparked it. So while I didn't run at a collegiate level, I um, was a cross country skier uh, through high school. And I went to, um, so I'm from Vermont. We have these ski academies um, where you, you basically like skiing's kind of what you do. Um, and so I, in high school would go on like four to five hour trail runs as a part of our training. And so I think that really opened my eyes up to the joy of spending long time on long times on trails and, you know, not having to go fast, but just being out there experiencing it. Um, and so that definitely set up, you know, a, a, I think a strong base of endurance that I've been able to build off of. Um, but I, so in college, I decided that I wanted to run a marathon when I graduated, but somehow I skipped that and was like I found an ultra 50k and was like yeah I'm gonna do that instead and I remember very sheepishly um walking into uh our living room um and I was I was actually moving to Hawaii so I graduated college um and was moving to Hawaii for a teaching job in August but so I was still at home and I sheepishly walked into the to the living room was like um so I may have signed up for 50k and my parents were like what what did you do like why why didn't you do a marathon first and um I just got hooked so that was when I was 22 I mean pretty much straight out of college and I've been um you know running and racing since so now six years or so wow And was that first 50 K the one that you said you got second place at? Yeah. Okay. So is that what sort of hooked you in? I mean, did you just have a feeling like I can do this? Like I'm going to come back and do more of these or what, what were your thoughts at that point? Yeah. You know, I think, I think what was cool is that I, I discovered that when everyone else seemed to get tired, I seemed to get more energized um so in the I like loved the second half of the race um I just thought it was so fun and I was just like oh okay you know I really like this so I did another I moved to Hawaii I did another 50k um which ended up going well and then the next the year after that so I did two 50ks and the year after that I got into the hurt 100 um Ah. so that was I had I guess I'd only been really ultra running for two years and then did hurt. Um, and that was your first hundred. That was my first hundred. Yeah. Dang. I, nice. Yeah. <laughs> How'd it go? Um, really well. Yeah. Good. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Um, 
you have spent a lot of time on the islands, it looks like. And I looked at your website and it says a couple of, and this is what I like about you, Alyssa, you put your goals and you're almost like stating it publicly right on your website. A couple of your goals are uh, to run across America and get the woman's FKT um, and to run across or around all the Hawaiian islands. And you also mentioned to be the winner of Tour de Jeans one day, which I love that. I love that you're just like putting down the gauntlet, like here is what is going to happen someday, you guys. I try to manifest a lot. It, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's something I used, uh, I guess the marathons kind of put me in a position where I was like, like it, 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 it got a fair amount of attention, um, which I was not expecting at all, but was awesome. And so it kind of broke me of the fear of putting stuff out there. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, if you don't say these goals and I have failed and I've been really embarrassed by failing. Absolutely. Like <laughs> I was super embarrassed, um, after failing toward a this year, cause I thought I was, I thought like I had put in the effort to be able to, um, at least finish it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that though there is something really powerful about saying your goals out loud, um, and putting it out there into the world and putting that energy into the world. Um, because I think if you keep them secret in many ways, you give yourself the out of saying, well, if it doesn't work out, then it's fine. Cause you know, I didn't tell anyone or I didn't really want that. And I've found though, that if you really embody that confidence and it's, you don't have to be cocky, but if you just say like, this is what I really want and and I'm going to put in the work to get there, but also I'm going to put out in the world that this is what I'm aiming for. And I'm going to work really hard to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I am all about it. And you know, who else I think is really good at that is uh, Sabrina Stanley. Yeah. Um, for years, she's just been putting these goals out there and saying them publicly. And I remember when I've been running longer than her, and I feel like when she kind of first came onto the scene or whatever, you, you hear these goals and you think, okay, who is this person? This sounds kind of crazy, but then they do it. And then the next year comes, they say another goal, then they do it. And it's just so cool to watch. And yeah, I think that's, that's huge. Just putting it out there publicly, saying it, writing it down, putting it out into the universe is all important. So I dig it. Thanks. Yeah. I have a friend, um, actually one of my friends from the Pinhoti, um, who I've helped coach a bit. He just kind of decided that he was going to try to go for the Pinhoti 100 next year. And I, we were doing a, a talk yesterday with, uh, Corey Waltering too, about the Pinhoti. And I kind of accidentally called out, called him out on, Oh yeah. And so what are you doing next year? Cause we had just talked about it earlier in the day and he was like, Oh, well, I wasn't going to put it out there. And I was like, Oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just way too used to just be like, yes, here are my goals. Let me tell you. Yeah. 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 So. Well, yeah. I also know what it's like to be on the other side of that. When you're like, my goal is so big that I'm almost scared to say it out loud. I'm scared to say it publicly. Like I've been there too. So uh, I, I get it from all angles. Yeah. But isn't that ultras though? Totally. It, yeah. It's like, but if, if you're so like I, the bit, the best goals are the ones that scare you mm -hmm. because it's like, I don't know if I can do this. And yeah. we have so little of that uncertainty in our lives that it's so exciting to be like, I might, I can do everything right to do this. And I still might fail. I still might not even finish. And that I think is 
super cool. And I think mm-hmm. it's exciting because I think so often um, as adults, we lose that where everything's yeah. so sure of what we do. And I talk to my, like my students, I think inspire me because they have these lofty goals. They're like, I want to play, you know, college football, or I want to play, uh, I want to be an actor or musician, you know, and um, you get too entrenched in adulthood. And it's like, you just go, well, the everyday and like, you know, I'll just one day at a time. And I think the exciting thing about ultras is you have these awesome goals that you are not sure you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really exciting. And we're lucky to have that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and then, yeah, I, I want to talk to you about your goal of running around or across all the islands of Hawaii. Um, I just went to Hawaii for the first time and spent some time on Kauai and it was just beautiful. We did some running and hiking there and it was just tremendous, but, um, you live, which Island did you live on when you lived there? Yeah. So I lived on Oahu, um, for three years and I always, I'm so, I'm still mad at myself that I didn't run around the perimeter. Um, because that is an epically hard 130 ish miles. Really? Um, yeah. One of my friends actually has a FKT on it right now. Actually, I know both the men's and the women's, um, but it, uh, yeah, I, I loved it there. I, there's such a great trail running community there. Um, and so I, yeah, I'd love to go back and figure out Kauai, you'd have to run more across it than around yeah, it. I think so. Yeah, yeah. You can't really get, once you get to the Poly coast, you can get out to the water, but then you can't really get around That's it. That's true. So, yep. Yeah, it would be tricky, but I've done, I've been lucky enough, um, to, we would, we would just like take the earliest flight out in the morning and then go fly to like Maui and run up Haleakala um, oh, really? and then come back. We get a group of like 10 to 12 people. Um, I've also been a part of Epic five. Um, oh, yeah. does I've done, I've, I've worked a little bit for them and helped out with the 50 K's. So I've done, um, 50 K's through that. Cause they do five 50 K's in five days on five Hawaiian islands. Um, they also do five Ironmans, which is way more intense than the 50 K's. <laughs> um, and so I've done Molokai and Maui with them. And I've also run on big Island quite a bit and Kauai quite a bit. So yeah, I would love to go back and, um, see what I can do over there as well. That would be cool. I'm curious what your training looked like for you, Ray, because you said you Ray was just a training run for tour, which is almost unfathomable. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But like, were you running big mileage before you Ray? And what was your training like? So really the emphasis was on more vert than miles. Uh, But so I'll do probably consistently I'll run between like 80 to a hundred miles per week. Um, and then, you know, sometimes like my peak training for tour was this one week where I ran like 130 or 40 miles, um, and probably spent like 25 to 30 hours on foot, which was a lot. Um, but you're a, you know, a lot of, um, just a lot of vertical, a lot of, like sometimes it would be, um, you know, go out for a, a lot on the weekend, like five or six hours, um, of hiking, running. So hike all the uphills, um, run the downhills shooting for, you know, 4,000 feet or 6,000 feet of climbing, um, for elevation. And then I did, I actually did an Eversting, um, mm. 
in like right at the end of June. Um, so that was, I think, actually, I think a really good mental um, workout for a year. Oh, yeah. That was like three or three weeks out around there. Um, and then I'd done, I'd actually done Rainier uh, with my husband. So that was really fun of like getting up to 14, over 14,000 feet. Um, and around that, a lot of like 20 to 25 mile runs and um, just kind of alternating like mileage and time. Um, but yeah, I mean, big weeks, slow miles, but really focusing on vert of getting uh, downhill legs ready. Cause that's, that goes super fast mm. um, if you're not really prepared for that. But yeah, I mean, we're really lucky. Um, we have Big Sur in our backyard, which has some pretty decent sized mountains. Uh, we go up to Yosemite a lot. So that has, I mean, great terrain. Um, so I have access to, you know, minimum 2000 foot climbs plus, um, which I think set, set myself up for you, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it sounds like an incredible year and another incredible year to come. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Yeah. Congrats. I'm, I'm curious about a low point. Like what was it like for you coming back from tour? Like if everything, all your eggs were sort of put in that basket and then it had to have been a big disappointment, but you were able to dig yourself back from that and still set your FKT for the year. But if you wouldn't mind, just like, what was that disappointment like? Was there depression that came with it? Was it just a, a, a low couple days or were you able to get over it pretty quick? Um, no, it was a low couple of days. So at, right after, so the race starts on Sunday and I made the decision to stop um, really late Wednesday night or like actually like Wednesday evening. Um, and so I then spent, I was scheduled to stay there until Sunday. And so I, I had had two really good friends come out to crew me. Um, so we just kind of spent the day, the, the next couple of days, like going around Aosta Valley, which is beautiful. Like we went to Chamonix. And so that was really fun. And I think that that kind of um, pushed away how sad I was feeling about the race. Cause I was spending time with, you know, some great people. I was in this beautiful area and I could kind of forget about the race even happening. Yeah. Um, but I remember I was sitting on sitting in the airport about to fly back and I was just crying because I was just so, you know, you, you, you picture yourself coming back like triumphant and, and happy and like, we're going to celebrate. It's going right. to be so great. And you always know in the back of your head, like, yeah, that might not work out. Um, but I, you know, you come back and you just feel like I put so much time and effort into this and I have nothing to show for it. And that's not true, but it's, yeah, I was, it's how it feels. I, yeah. It's how it feels. And you know, I, my school had been following me. So all my kids knew about it, all these teachers. And of course they're like, that's so cool. You know, it's so amazing. You even did that to begin with, but it wasn't the goal I was trying to hit. It wasn't what I was trying to do. And yeah, I was like, it was embarrassed. I was sad. Um, definitely like probably a little bit depressed. Like my husband at one point, probably a couple of days after I'd gotten back, um, he was just like, you've got to snap out of this. Like this, you have got to stop wallowing in, in like your misery because life goes on and, um, you know, it, it happens. You don't always 
hit these goals and you can either be super sad about it or you can pick yourself up and like life is good <laughs> like you have yeah. so much going for you yeah. um and, and I think that really helped and I think it also helped um I, I, you know I think the danger of being just a runner or um to having all of your eggs in that basket is you don't have kind of an outlet outside of that and so teaching was just like well my kids still need to be taught and I you know I still have to lesson plan I still have to grade um and, and they they don't care I mean they care but they don't and so I think just having teaching to go back to um you know having a, a supportive husband and and all of that is was just like okay yeah you know that that sucked but life goes on and what are we going to look forward to? Like, what's the next thing? And, and I try to be really careful not to dangle the carrot always. Cause I think we're always kind of looking at like, what's going to be next. And I want, I really tried not to just jump to the next thing um, right away to be like, to soothe myself in a way of like, Oh, but if you can go get this Pinhoti FKT and make it all better. Um, so I, I did meditate on just where I was at and not trying to jump to that next goal for, I would say like at least a couple of weeks. And then I had a conversation with Sean being like, Hey, you know, I don't feel like I'm done. I don't know what that means, but I feel like I want to look for something. And then I took about a week or two after that to be like, okay, um, you know, here's what I'm thinking. I'm really leaning towards Pinhoti. Um, you know, what do you think about that? And he was like, I think you should do it supported and yeah, but you know, let's, let's see what you can do. I think you can succeed at it. So, um, but I did, I, I do think it's really easy when you have a disappointment to be like, I'm just going to jump in another race or I'm just going to jump to the next goal. And I do think that you have to acknowledge like, yeah, I'm really disappointed and that sucks, but guess what? Life is still okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think taking that time and pausing, is something I've not really let myself do before. And I do think that helped because Pinhoti wasn't this, like, I'm going to prove myself, like, you know, one last hurrah this year to make sure that it doesn't end on the disappointment. It was like, no, I genuinely want to do this. Like, I'm excited. I can't, I have lots of friends there. Like, I, I can't wait to go back and see these friends um, and go back and like, it's a really fun trail. Um, so I think I went into it in a headspace of like, I'm here to have a fun adventure and I'm here, um, to hopefully meet this goal, but like, you know, I'm not resting all of my, like my trainings thrown away if it doesn't work out or, you know, I have to prove myself to getting this or not. So I think that was a much healthier mindset to go into than, yeah. uh, maybe I would have taken into it before a bit like, no, I have to do something big. Otherwise, like this year was a wasn't as good as it could have been. Yeah, but I think psychologically that would have set you up for yes. possibly a failure. You know, yeah, if I you agree. Go into an event really relaxed, feeling like whatever happens, happens. I'm just here to have fun with my friends and I'm going to go as fast as I can and let the chips fall where they may. Um, you're setting yourself up for success. That's the, the mindset of an FKT holder, I think, you know. So um, and it's what's amazing. And to be fair, like, I, I mean, I did get. I got myself in a, in a mentally rough spot in Uri because I, 50 miles in, I was like, I'm throwing up because it uh. just altitude and everything. I think Anthony had the same thing. Like, all of us were throwing up. 
Um, and, and I had been like, hey, you know, maybe I can take a stab at the course records. Like I did go into it, taking it seriously, but in the back of my head, I was also like, this is a training run. Like, you know, your big goal is next, um, you know, do the best you can. You're, you weren't set up to necessarily succeed at this. So I went into it a lot more relaxed. I went into it a lot more like, this is going to be fun. And I love your Um, and so I think if I had taken that into tour a little bit more, maybe, you know, things would have been different, but it's amazing how it's like, yeah, if you just relax and have fun, things go well, but like bottling that up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And saving it for race day. That's a little tough to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, tell me about next year again. What do you have on the books? What do you have planned? Yeah. So, um, Actually, my friend and I are just talking about there's a route in Big Sur that's never been, um, there's no FKT on it, but she and I are hoping to set like a team FKT on it and okay. start a new route. So that that's like 40-ish miles, but um, there's not a lot of FKTs in Big Sur. So we're hoping that maybe we can oh, add that's a few surprising. On. Yeah. 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 It's super surprising. Um, so I think, yeah, we might take on some routes out there and then, um, her name's also Alyssa. She's an ultra runner. Yeah, it works out really well, the Alyssas. Um, and then I have, so there's a Marathon du Mont Blanc has a 90K. So I'm, I'm in on that. Um, and then hopefully, I think I have the, the Itras points or whatever to get into uh, TDS. Um, I've kind of been like kind of side-eyeing UTMB for a while I'm not quite I think I think I want to save UTMB itself for when I'm a little bit older um but TDS looks like a whole lot of fun uh Mm -hmm. minus the really horrific accident last year but like um really technical you know I think just a cool cool course uh it's placed to my strengths a little bit more um and then uh, Moab 240 are kind of the big three and then probably some like I mean I live in such a a hotbed of races you know it might be a 50k here sure you know something like that there but yeah, yeah that's and you're already in for Moab next year um so I actually was supposed to in 2020 so I'm rolling over ah. an entry um, but I have to make sure that I don't miss the signups for that for sure <laughs> <laughs> put it on your calendar yeah yeah I think it's January <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I follow Candace and Destination, chat with Candace some, so I'm just like, I cannot miss this. Cool, yeah. Um, where do you want to take this thing, Alyssa? Like, are, do you just, I mean, like, is it your goal to go hard for 10 years and kind of put your name out there? Or is this something you're trying to, you know, stretch out over the long span of your life? I definitely, I mean, I definitely want to do it for the rest of my life. And the the lovely part of, um like my, the partnership I have with my husband is that we are mountain people. And so, you know, maybe when I get older, that will look more in terms of like leading trekking, um, expeditions or, you know, getting more into the mountaineering side of things. But I guess I, I want mountains in my life, the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. Um, that's something I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really, I like pushing the boundaries of, of what women are capable of doing, of where we're going, of what man and nature has to offer. Um, I like being, you know, up there and seeing like, hey, how, like, why can't a record be super close to the men's or why can't a record even beat the men's? Um, 
and yeah, I, like I want to, I want to see how I can, I can reach. And, um, I, I super excited about the fact that, you know, ultra runners don't peak generally till at, way after their 30s. So mm-hmm. I think just the years of consistent training I've put in, hopefully will really pay off. And, um, I want to do like big, hard mountain races. Like that's really what I love. So yeah, yeah that's, that's my cool. jam and that I'm hoping to see it as far through as I can. And then cool. one day retire to more mountain stuff, just maybe, <laughs> you know, slightly different. Yeah. Yeah. The mountains are in your blood. They definitely are. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, well, where can people find you? I know you're on Instagram and I think you have a website too. Yeah. Yeah. The website's a little outdated, uh, as everyone says their website. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think probably the easiest way is Instagram. I'm um, theory, T-H-E-O-R-Y underscore in underscore motion, M-O-T-I-O-N. Um, what is that? Is that your coaching business? Um, actually, yes. That also is my coaching business. Okay. Uh, I just had a, randomly had a friend say um, to me, I'm an English teacher and it was another English teacher, so it's super Englishy, of like, you seem to live your life like you have this kind of theory of motion, like you're always in motion, you're always moving. And that's how I associate with you. And so like, Oh, I kind of like that. I want to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so that's kind of where that comes from. And, uh, yeah, reach out to me on that. I, um, really work to answer everyone and, um, email AKAMS13 at Gmail. You're welcome to reach out. Um, but yeah, I'm, happy to answer any questions, marathons, URA, mountains, any of that stuff. So you've done it all. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so cool. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I love hearing your story and um, just finding out who you are and who's out there just doing these badass things. Like I just love it. So very inspiring conversation and just keep doing what you're doing and we'll keep an eye on you and we'll be cheering for you for the next thing. So, and if you ever come to Colorado, give uh, Chris and I a shout. We'll all have to go for a run. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. We're actually going back to year a to ice climb um, in December. Ah, so if you're ice climbing North out there. Ice, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. That's kind of our like winter sport, but how did you meet Chris? I'm curious. Um, Chris, I went on Chris's podcast. He found me for the marathons. Um, he's also friends with a couple of Hawaii people I know. Um, okay. so yeah, he reached out to the marathons and then, um, we just kind of like, he's such a nice guy. He's yeah. so friendly and fun that we've stayed in touch over Instagram. And then, um, he asked me on after year a, so yeah, okay. it's been good. Cool. Yeah. He's such a cool guy. Uh, Thanks again for doing this, Alyssa. I really appreciate it. And yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep it up. We love it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Have a great day. We'll see you later. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it more than you can imagine. Uh, Spread the word. If you like this show, I want to thank my sponsors real quick. First of all, Exoskin. Their running apparel keeps you comfortable in absolutely any condition. Say goodbye to chafing and blisters. Check them out, exoskin.us. Use our discount code, capital BTC, for 15% off. I want to tell you guys real quick about Bigger Than the Trail. Bigger Than the Trail is a 501c3 tax-exempt organization that is using trail running as a platform to advocate for mental health. If you've ever thought about getting therapy but aren't in the position where you can afford it, Bigger Than the Trail offers you free therapy for up to three months. 
I couldn't love what these guys are doing anymore. I signed up. Uh, it was quick. It was easy. They matched me with a therapist that, that, uh, meets my personal criteria and I meet with her every week. I'm trying this thing. You guys should try this thing and we can all do this together. Look up bigger than the trail, sign up for their services, and let's do the small things in life that eventually lead us to doing the big things. Let them know we sent you as well. We also want to thank Alter Ego Running. <clears throat> they make premium performance hats. Everyone needs a good hat when you're out running or on an adventure. These hats should be your go-to on your everyday runs, epic adventures, and cruising around town. Check out Alter Ego Running. This podcast is also brought to you by On Pace Wellness. Contact them if you need to get your nutrition on track. Mention this podcast and he's going to give you a 10% discount and get you tuned up for success. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Athletic Brewing, the finest non-alcoholic craft beer on the market. Check out athleticbrewing.com and use my discount code, McRobertsA20, all caps, for 20% off the best NA beer around. Enjoy the taste without the hangover. Remember, guys, life is short. Do big things, baby. Pedro, take us for a run. <laughs>